0: I haven't uh, dived in yet, but I am just. Woo! Woo! I, I know the um, uh, Certified Lover Boy there's um, that stupid song that samples or reimagines I'm Too Sexy, which is like a horrible song. I hate that song. So just the idea. Oh, that one has Young Thug! Oh, great! That's just great. It
1: has, it has our boy Young Thug Oh on my it, god. future.
0: Oh god. And uh. Yeah I mean like the uh. The Apple Music cover when it animates the cover. Terrifying. Literally like all the pregnant emojis like rubbing their bellies. Have you seen that? <laughs> it's horrible.
1: No I haven't. look. Look. <laughs> Welcome back to the play button. Hope you're doing well. We still have the last remnants of summer to enjoy. Kevin and I are still in the midst of climbing into the massive backlog uh, the summer left us for music. Last episode, we tackled July. Now we're gonna get into August releases. On deck today is the out of left field, virtually zero black metal involved album by San Francisco band, Deaf Heaven. A release I've been looking forward to. Next up, we'll get into the New Zealand pop goddess, Lords' um, highly anticipated third studio album, Solar Power. And finally, we test the waters for Kevin and I on some of the more experimental music you'll hear this year, diving into the beast that is Lingua Ignota's new album, Sinner Get Ready. This album has made huge splashes outside of this podcast already, and nothing lures Kevin and I in faster than musically avant-garde albums. That's and and well. I will just add.
0: Um, so, for those that are familiar with the uh, YouTube channel, the Needle Drop, uh, he gave the Lingua Ignota album a ten, which is a big deal. Um, if you're not familiar with that channel, a ten really means something. So, I think uh, I think we'll have a lot to talk about with that one.
1: First up, the new album, Infinite Granite, by San Francisco band Death Heaven. This band kind of, it's hard to explain them, but they kind of just do whatever the heck they want. Uh, They started uh, as a black metal band more traditionally, a bit of some post-rock in their sound, um, and then went on to release in 2013 a uh, critically acclaimed album called Sunbather. Um, Metacritic's highest rated album for the year back then, by the way. Uh, And this is one of those modern albums that's rare that actually becomes influential. It's hard to do that in this day and age, especially in the black metal scene where there's so many bands. To carve out a niche is impressive. They blended uh, shoegaze, post-metal, post-rock with black metal, um, seemingly oil and vinegar styles and genres, um, and blended it into um, quite a warm, very uh, inviting, pleasant sound to to behold um, with very long form songs. Um, Briefly, they went back to black metal again on their uh, third album, New Bermuda, and then kind of went back into their shoegazy rock sound on Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. And they're a polarizing band. If you're a metal purist, you likely don't like these guys, Um, but if you're kind of dipping your feet in metal, this is a band you could actually kind of get into. Um, Anybody who expected more black metal on the Infinite Granite album here um, is kind of, I would say they haven't really been paying attention. Um, this band has been wanting to test the waters into softer territory for a long time. And here they finally just go pretty much all in. Um, so there's really hardly any harsh vocals at all. There's some, um, namely at kind of the ends of some songs. And even then it's pretty muffled. Um, I, uh, so, I mean, this album can be a bit jarring if you're expecting it to be metal. It's a lot more spacey rock, um, very, you know, rock forms, uh, structures. Um, there's really there's really um, not much uh, at face value anyways that's as impressive as their albums like Sunbather, but it is a pretty competent album in its own right. Once you get used to it, it definitely caters to uh, those of us like me who are kind of post-rock junkies, um, who, who like their kind of pretty rock and metal. Um, it'll appeal to them, Um, So I personally liked songs like In Blur, Great Mass of Color. I liked Other Language. Um, I did like the ending segments of the songs, Villain and The Gnashing. Um, It's funny, though. When I I found what I didn't like the album, it was actually when they were trying to get back and show that little sliver of black metal that's still in them. I found that kind of pointless. Why don't you just go all in? So when you hear songs like uh, the ending of Mombasa, what they do at the end of In Blur and Villain, I, uh, I found those kind of underwhelming because, I mean, they've been doing that for so long. Here, it feels almost inferior. Um, so, um, in general, I, th- I, I liked the album because I'm a bit more into post-rock, but um, I don't find the album as musically impressive as their their old albums. I find it would, it's, they're in a genre now that's, I mean, got a lot of sharks in the water. It's hard to distinguish themselves. Um, what did you think, though, Kev? You're not as familiar with this band as I am, obviously.
0: No, so you know, what I know about this band is they are I think they represent kind of crossover appeal for metal. You know, they're a band that it's not just for metal heads. Um I know that um their kind of breakthrough release really sunbather that got a lot of attention on, you know, outlets so outlets like Pitchfork, um, which typically does doesn't focus on metal. So um that's kind of where I first got introduced to introduce them, you know, and it's clear that they got that attention because they're doing something a little bit different, and they have um, different aspects that, that can appeal to not just fans of metal. Um, and obviously with this album, that's very clear, um, because this really takes the metal influences and just kind of buries them. Um, it's really not obvious. It just really subtly like hides them. It's more about the structures... Um, you know, I can tell with some of the riffs, like I can definitely tell the metal influence. And then, of course, like you mentioned, you know, some songs where it just kind of full on just comes out for, uh, you know, a few bars here and there. Um, but overall, I, I guess I'm a bit confused by this album. Um, so is this really just completely out of left field or were there hints of this on um, previous albums?
1: Good question. I did say it was out of left field in the intro, but um ordinary corrupt human love the album before this i mean you take most of the softer segments from that album and hash them out to a full one that kind of sounds in the same vein as what we're hearing here
0: okay okay uh and for the vocals so um uh the vocalist george clark so how would you rate his vocals um on previous albums so in in the more like metal typical metal style like how would you rate him as a vocalist
1: it's funny. I mean, I said they originated as a black metal band. As far as black metal shrieks and howls go, he's he's definitely on the later side. Okay. Um, he's not the cold Nordic black metal howling and screaming that you might hear from you know the '90s and '80s. Like that's not that's not what this is. Right. He he's always blended into the sound nicely, a little bit easier. Um, but. That softer tone that you're hearing on a lot of the tracks here, um, that was that's the same kind of style he went for on smaller segments of ordinary corrupt human love. Okay, it's not really that much different. Okay, I see.
0: Um, okay, so you know that's some good context that I think I was a little you know missing a little bit um when listening to this. So what did I think of this album? I didn't really like this album. Uh, it didn't really capture me. Um, I thought the vocals were especially weak. Very almost monotone and i understand that this kind of shoegazy post-rock style um that sometimes works but for whatever reason like i just found it just straight up boring um i i thought that the singles that were a little bit more straightforward so you know you mentioned in blur and great mass of color um i thought those songs they worked on their own and i didn't mind listening to them but just when you have like nine songs that are all kind of in this style it it really just kind of comes together like it's like great yeah like in blur and great mass of color kind of both kind of sum up the album like how it how it sounds almost um it's just kind of a blurry mess uh to me um I, i i you know i think it's interesting that you mentioned other language too that was another track that i really enjoyed um so i feel like we kind of matched up with the songs that we did enjoy um but i don't know like some of these longer tracks like lament for wasps like I kind of understand what they're going for and i think that one had a few kind of uh you know guitar focused passages with some solos going on and you know that was all right but i just couldn't really get into this over the 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 full nine tracks um and it just i just don't see anything that really kind of grabbed my attention um so i'm not sure you know if that is just kind of with the style and with the sound that they're going for, or if it's, you know, kind of more of a death heaven specific problem.
1: Critiques I was hearing is that um, when they do go for shoegaze here, which is pretty much the whole album, it feels pretty by the book as far as shoegaze goes. I mean, Kevin, you're you're a lot more familiar with shoegaze than I am actually. Um, and, and, and I think in that regard, like it it does, it does kind of fly at you in a very direct manner. It's not like real shoegaze where, you know, so many things are happening in the background. It's atmospheric. I think they get the right, they get the right sound a couple times on the singles. And then outside of that, yeah, a whole album of it is a, a slog.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that, um, on previous records from them, like, you know, the drums have been a very big focus and, and I think they have a very talented drummer, but, uh, you can kind of hear it here, you know, there are some good, you know, uh, drum bits here and there, but I think overall, like just with the style, that's just not as much of a focus. So, you know, that was kind of another reason why I didn't really click with me. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought there was going to be a chance that I would really enjoy this, uh, just like hearing about it and, and hearing, you know, this new sound for them, but didn't, didn't do it for me. okay moving on uh to our next album this is a big release for 2021 it's the new album solar power from new zealand singer songwriter lord um she obviously um came onto the mainstream with a huge breakthrough album pure heroin her uh debut album um you know with the song uh, royals massive hit um when that came out she followed it up with Uh, The album Melodrama, which was extremely well received, um, really uh, avoided the sophomore slump with a more challenging, more dramatic, um, and more mature album. Um, So I feel like there was a lot of hype building up to this third album, seeing where she would go um, from there, but she kind of made a, a bit of a left turn, so instead of following up this kind of grand dramatic sound, she really paired things back and just created a very simplistic sunny album, as indicated by the title, Solar Power. It's very carefree. It's very beachy. Um, it's very positive, which uh, I felt was a bit jarring. Just, you know, it, it's not like all music that I listen to has to be depressing, um, but just Given what's going on in the world right now and and everything that's happened, it does feel, it, at least to me, it felt a bit jarring to listen to something like this because it was just like, everything's happy, like solar power, like, yay, like everything's good. Like all the, the <laughs> instrumentation is super bright. Um, this one's produced by Jack Antonoff who, you know, I think we've featured many albums. He's worked on so many um, of the big marquee pop releases Um know most recently saint vincent um lana del rey as well Uh, so i I do see a bit of lana del rey kind of influence on this Um, things are a bit more stripped back a bit more acoustic um songs on this Um, but yeah i guess listening to it's a bit confusing it's um it's very stripped back and i I found that surprising like did, did this sound surprise you at first
1: yeah, I I also feel the same way. I thought you did a great job explaining why it's hard to resonate with it. Um yeah, because I I certainly doesn't feel sunny even though we just went through the season of summer, you know. Things are things are still not exactly the way they once were. It's hard to yeah. resonate with somebody kind of galloping around, um, you know, carefree. Um I you know, it's it's I was, I was honestly, when I first got into this album, expecting it to be my first eject of the year, um, mainly because I absolutely hated the title track. Um, and I also hated the second song, Stone at the Nail Salon. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, this is not going to be for me. But at the end of the day, you know, the music itself is pleasant to listen to. I think if it's going to be a carefree, sunny album, I do think the instrumentation follows that. Uh, it's a little inoffensive, fine. But um, I think it matches that tone pretty well. It's mainly her presence on it that I, I struggle with. A lot of her vocals, um, a lot of her lyricism. It's just, it's it's hard to really grasp it. Um, personally, I've grown to not like her voice, actually, over time. Mm. On Melodrama, you started to get a little bit more of her pure lower register. Um, pure heroin, she was mixed differently. You She was muffled in a bit more. Uh, she blended in with the music. But on Melodrama, you got more of her. Um, and it was good. Um, here, you're getting... A lot more of her lower register though and I, I didn't find I, I I liked it especially on songs like California where you know it's like oh what's up on a time in Hollywood it's like grady and I don't like listening right, to it right. for some reason it's not a good voice um, it feels like she, it
0: almost it feels almost like an affectation like it, it feels like a bit put on you know
1: I do I, it feels that's exactly what I, I would describe it as too it feels like a forced voice her falsettos nice but um, this lower register she has way too much um, I found a lot of the choruses really lazy as well. Um, you know, just taking one word and being like, Path, eh, eh. I just, <laughs> I, um, not my style. Um, yeah, I don't know. But it, it, there was a section between Fallen Fruit and Dominoes that I thought was really nice. It had more psychedelic rock summery vibes to it that I thought was, There were good songs, um, but nothing more than that.
0: Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it's kind of funny, like, you know, she has, she's on record as describing this as her weed album, quote-unquote, she's could literally called it yeah. her weed album. But see, I disagree. I, I disagree. I, I don't think it's... It's I it's just too, like, beachy and sunny. Like, there's no... There aren't really any kind of darker brooding moments. Like, I, I would have liked that. It, it just feels very one-note to me. Um, I got very bored by it um especially towards you know the back half of it um it really started to just kind of like okay like i think i'm kind of over this like is there going to be something different here um so that kind of bothered me um i will agree with you i hated the lead single the title track um when it first came out absolutely hated it now like i i can i can somewhat appreciate it you know it's not an immediate just like skip um but I still just don't really get this. I, I just, I'm a little confused still by listening to it. Um, I know you said you didn't really like California. I actually really enjoyed that track. That's probably like my one highlight um, here. Um, I thought the opening track, The Path, was was decent too. But yeah, like there weren't, the lyrics didn't really jump, up, jump out at me either. Um, so it's just kind of a confusing album. I felt confused more than anything listening to this.
1: Yeah, I was the same way, just uh, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to come in here torching this thing, but um, it's pleasant in its own right, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and
0: and, I mean, I I will give her props that um, she didn't really succumb to the pressure of making another quote unquote masterpiece, you know, really having to follow up, um, you know, her first two very well received albums um, that really kind of pushed boundaries um so i will give her props that she just kind of was like i'm just gonna make this fun album like whatever like if you don't like it like good for you like whatever um but you know I, i don't think it's been well received overall um i know uh a bunch of my friends who you know liked lord in the past they do not like this new sound or this new album so um yeah it's interesting to see you know where this will fall um Moving forward in time, like how, how we'll look back on it um, when she comes out with her next album, if that happens. So, yeah, kind of a weird one from Lord.
1: All right, last up, uh, we're going to talk about the new album by uh, California artist Lingua Ignoda. Uh, And it's called Sinner Get Ready. This project of hers originated, believe it or not, as a graduate thesis that she did at Brown University for a Master of Fine Arts. Uh, She self-released her debut album, which was called uh, All Bitches Die, believe it or not. Um, It's a very uh, glitchy, very experimental and terrifying spectacle. Uh, I talked a lot about misogyny and domestic abuse, very self-deprecating lyrics, very long songs. Uh, and a crazy mix that she continues today. Her style is a very crazy mix of operatic vocals. She could be an opera singer, and then at the same time, she also has these witch-like deep bellowing screams and shrieks, it's crazy. Um, uh, she followed it up with uh, Caligula uh, two years ago. Uh, also very jarring and experimental. Um, uh, went back into you know, um, uh, you know, the, the times of the Roman emperor. It sounded, it sounded actually very regal, as it should. Uh, but still equally as weird, um, with fierce assaults of noise and shrieks. She seems to treat her projects and albums like like her old theses um, at, from university. She does a lot of research behind them. It's it's impressive. Uh, with Sinner Get Ready, she, she uh, worked a lot with old Mennonite and Amish texts uh, from Pennsylvania in the 1700s and 1800s. Why there? Well, it's because I think she was dating a guy, the story goes, she was dating a guy before a pandemic and moved to Pennsylvania in a very remote town uh, for him and uh, um, pandemic proceeded to happen. And then she found herself in an incredibly u- isolated place at an incredibly isolated time. And now we have uh, this album that's heavily influenced by the religious culture, both old and modern uh, from that area of the United States. Um, she also switched labels during this. She was originally on Profound Lore and now she's on Sergeant House. Uh, and it seemed to, it seems to have um, emerged as a different sound. Uh, less shrieking, less scary sh- screams, uh, but equally weird experimentation and music uh, coming out of it. So um, first up is The Order of Spiritual Virgins. Uh, the opening track, it's, it's huge. It's nine to ten minutes. And it is exactly what you would expect from Lingua Ignota. Um, huge dichotomy here of soft uh, and beautiful mixed with just jarring crashes of organs out of literally nowhere. Um, it's drony. Uh, but it feels organic and a lot of this album kind of follows the same way. It can kind of go on and on repetitively. Um, yet it feels like that's the way the song is supposed to go. Um, and if you've heard me, um, praise other bands like this, like Swans, um, you know, this is something that I I find very impressive when you can have long form songs that repeat yet feel right. They feel hypnotic. And then she does it a lot here. I feel like I want more, just want it louder. Um. On "I Who Bend the Tall Grasses," you get more of a versatile showing of her vocals. So here, she kind of gets close to screaming, um, starts yelling out um, to God to to you know kill someone who she doesn't believe needs to live anymore. You have to kill him. There's <laughs> yes, no other yes, way. Yes. Um, that was an interesting vocal performance by her. And then I also found it impressive. So the entire album's amazing. I found I found it impressive though the, what she's doing with the music as well. She's incorporating a lot of mu- uh, instruments from. That area of the United States as well. On the song "Many Hands," this song sounds like it's over the course of its five to six minutes, it's it literally sounds like the song is like breaking apart like a wind-up toy, mm-hmm. slowly just like gears and cogs falling off, and it's eventually breaking loose and bouncing all over the place, and it's insane. I've never heard a song quite like it. Um, there's softer moments as well, like. Um, Pennsylvania Furnace or uh, Perpetual Flame of Centralia and those come in I feel like at the right time as well they're beautiful she juggles both sides of it in my opinion really impressively here um I wasn't expecting to be so drawn in it's arresting but it's also very hypnotic um what do you think Kev
0: this is by far the most challenging album we have reviewed on this podcast so far (laughs) uh this makes uh a band like Black Midi sound like Justin Bieber um this is seriously (laughs) I'm wrong seriously out there stuff um it also comes from a very dark place uh you know she herself is a survivor of domestic abuse and that really influences a lot of her music so you can just hear this music is just completely full of anguish and pain um but you know she she has tried to um use her music her art as a way of surviving through her trauma so um you know she's described her music as survivor anthems um so just knowing that context really makes it like challenging to listen to because you, what you're listening to it's just like this is really really fucked up like just it's hard to describe if you haven't actually heard it um but there's so much going on here. Um, it's very abstract. Uh, you know, on, the, um, on her Wikipedia page, um, it lists uh, that her music has been described under the following genres. Baroque, black metal, classical, death industrial, doom metal, electronic, extreme metal, experimental, folk, harsh noise wall metal, industrial, neoclassical, noise, opera, power electronics, and spiritual. And I feel like all of those are valid. I think there's elements of all, every single one of those that I mentioned um, on this. It's um, it's a lot. It's um, hard to really comprehend. Um, I thought it was very challenging to listen to. I, You know, this is definitely the kind of music that I'm not, too familiar with at least um in comparison to you um, so i found it very difficult um, i do recognize um the you know thematic elements that are really really interesting the setting that this album takes place you know the pennsylvania setting um, the references to centralia pennsylvania which is a a small village that ha- is now abandoned because of an underground mine fire Um, that has been spewing toxic gas uh, for the last, like, 40 years. Um, So it's a really kind of visceral image of, you know, the setting uh, of this music. Um, And I guess for me, it's very difficult to get into because it is so... um, uh, It's so deeply rooted in religion um, and Christianity. Uh, I have no reference. For that i i you know there's no context uh for me i i didn't grow up with any kind of religion so it's very difficult for me to kind of pick up on those influences like do you identify more with those influences like is there kind of a hidden layer that i would be totally missing
1: um to be honest i don't I don't know I because I, I can't approach it from the way you are. I had this question actually written down. I was going to ask you what it's like to, from a family who, who didn't really have the like, um, religion as part of their upbringing. Um, what is it, what is it like? And it sounds like you, there's a lot of references here, chants, um, you know, ritualistic, um, vocals that you just, you don't, you're not quite grabbing I mean, it to be honest even as somebody who grew up as, you know, just Roman Catholic, um, it's still pretty jarring and a little bit, there's a bit of a wall between the music and the listener. It's weird. I don't think that it's hard to really confirm if she is religious, but I do think that she is in all of her work inspired greatly by religion. She's inspired by it. She does, she's like a research project on it. Um, And what she's trying to do is she's trying to communicate um, her own, her own sense of isolation and pain at the time um, she's doing it through the lens of old 1700, 1800 um, religious folk that used to live there. Um, mm-hmm. And, and this, is, this is kind of the the stuff that they would have been chanting at church, um, stuff that you would have read in the scriptures that they studied. Um, it's just interesting. I don't know. I see it more as a research project than I see it as um, something to, you know, what's the word? Something to resonate with.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, I noticed the inclusion of just, like, audio samples from various sources, a lot of kind of spoken word samples. Uh, on the last track, The Solitary Brethren of Ephrata, um, I actually knew this voice clip um, just independently of this. It's some woman in the U.S. during the pandemic, and she's being interviewed um, as to why... Um, she thinks it's okay you know for her church congregation to gather indoors when you know they weren't allowed or whatever or like you know not taking the vaccine not taking the pandemic seriously and her response simply is i'm covered in Jesus' blood (laughs) um and so that that kind of ends off the album uh and i think that really kind of caught me off guard because i i actually knew that clip from from before um but i thought it was really funny like just I think she she really is kind of like pulling in that element of american culture with like the the kind of like evangelical like religious fanaticism yeah um and i think she's trying to balance that with you know the darkest aspects of humanity um that she's had to personally deal with and then you know i guess at large that we're all having to deal with um right now um but Overall, like, I will agree with you. Like, it is very impressive music. Um, I don't think there is anything out there even remotely like it. Vocal performance is crazy. Like, it's just super intense. Um, Yeah, like that track, uh, I Who Bend the Tall Grasses, with that ridiculously intense just, like, I will kill him. Like, I do not give a fuck. (laughs) Man, I was just, like, I am terrified listening to this. Um, So it kind of sounds like a nightmare um it's it's very um tough to to uh, digest the one song that i i kind of um got into the most was man is like a spring flower i think that was kind of a little bit more restrained less jarring um maybe the least jarring track of, out of all of them um but you know what another thing you know this is kind of my personal um preference speaking but it, you know i i've always um mentioned how Um, how important i find drums and percussion and how much i you know my ear kind of goes towards that i don't think there really is any percussion on this um everything just kind of floats along in this ethereal nightmarish kind of sound um so that was kind of difficult for me to get into um yeah i don't know like do i just need to keep listening to this like more like does it just really need time like I, i I struggle to figure out how to really approach this and how to really get into it.
1: Her music's always been very cinematic. And to be honest, I wasn't actually a huge fan of her before this album. I've listened to her stuff, but I found it also hard to grasp. It's cinematic and atmospheric. You're supposed to listen to it, maybe with your eyes closed, is maybe my my recommendation, and just envision what she's trying to envision. Envision her screaming at the top of her lungs, kind of know what she looks like. I just, it's a very, it's, it's honestly equally visual as it is something to, to hear. Um, so it's something to like feel, I, yeah, I no percussions is the, is, is true. Um, but I don't think it detracts from it at all. You, you mentioned the skits as well. I, the presence of the skits also makes me feel like in some ways she's also trying to like hold up and expose this side of Pennsylvania as like, wow, look at how weird this is. Even the guy talking about his dead mother and hearing her in the, in the church, um, at the beginning is also just like oh, wow these guys like really get into religion wow yeah oh yeah oh yeah um, yeah
0: it's it's, t- uh, yeah. it's meant to be a an shock experience. and awe type
1: thing yeah it's an experience that's right
0: yeah um but so overall you really enjoyed it
1: uh yeah i did i have some final thoughts nice. later when we kind of wrap it yeah. up but uh it was yeah. uh it was powerful i you know i like swans i like michael jira's uh catalog so this is right yeah. up there with it for me So um, let's wrap up uh, the albums we covered today. The first one was *Infinite Granite* by uh, San Francisco band Deaf Heaven. Um, so I mentioned th- this one's a puzzling one. I think if you're just trying to get into the band, it's an en- it's an excellent gateway album to them. You can kind of work your way backwards. *Ordinary Corrupt Human Love*, then maybe *Sunbather*, um, and it- it's a nice way to you know transition into this. Um, I I, uh, I know that it's uh, much more simplistic song structures, but it hits the notes for a guy who's into more spacey shoegazy post rock. Uh, that's all really that this is. Um, they're pretty competent musicians too, um, even if it's fairly by the book. I think that they're competent enough that the songs the songs uh, ultimately do what they need to do. Um, so I actually gave it a I actually gave it a play, um, despite it being a bit of a step down from their last album, which I consider their best. Um, Still something that uh, I'll still follow them and I'm interested to see where they keep going.
0: Yeah, so, um, yeah, Deaf Heaven has always kind of been known to me as, you know, a band that might have kind of crossover appeal for a metal band. And I think within the context of their discography, this album is pretty impressive to do something that is so completely out of the box compared to their um, earlier work. But I think just on its own, you know, this is the first Deaf Heaven album that I've listened to um, in full. Just on its own, it just doesn't really do much to impress me. There's nothing outright bad about it, but I just found myself very bored by it. I, f- I found the vocals especially weak and one note. Um, and yeah, I, I I just, there's not really much for me to latch on to here. So um, definitely a pause for me. And our next album was, uh, you know, one of the most hyped up releases of 2021. And I think uh after it came out that hype died just instantly even even with the release of the first single the hype kind of died um pretty quickly and it's the latest from lord uh her album solar power um you know this one i don't think anybody was really expecting her to go for this very sunny very optimistic very carefree sound um i think the instrumentation is very stripped back Uh, I think it's produced competently, Um, it's Jack Antonoff, you know, he's gonna do a good job with these kind of marquee releases, but there isn't really much that is too interesting about this album, at least to to hold your attention through 12 tracks. Um, I think some of the songs are pleasant enough, California, The Path, um, Mood Ring is okay too. Um, I also enjoyed The Closer, I I didn't mention it before, but Oceanic Feeling, I I enjoyed that track as well. but overall, it's a confusing album, especially given, you know, the context of, of everything going on in the world. It's just such a carefree album. Um, like, she is just ignoring all her problems. And I wish there was a little bit more depth. Um, I wish there was a little bit of, you know, some kind of fucked up things like happening under the surface. I think that would have captivated me more, but it just seems like a very one note. Just don't really understand this album, so I'll pause.
1: Yeah, it's a pause for me as well. It does suit the vibe it's going for. It's just breezy, lush, acoustic, psychedelic rock. Like, it, I think it nails that. Um, but it's almost inoffensive to a fault and just a lot less relatable than, uh, than her previous work. I mean, on Melodrama, um, that was an album where, you know, it, it's a very vulnerable um, album with a young girl portraying almost satirically how crazy love makes you. And I even as, I resonated with that. And here I resonate with virtually nothing. Uh, it would be something to play while I'm in the park, staring up at the sky, and I don't do that that often, so <laughs> not uh, not my style here. And I, I don't, I also don't think it, I don't think it's easy to resonate with either. Um, last up was the new album by Lingwig Nota Sinner. Get ready. Um, oddly enough, the title track on All Bitches Die starts with the lyric "Sinner, you better get ready." Hmm. Um, now this album is called that. Interesting. She even reuses that lyric. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it ties into that album really at all, but uh, this was an impressive piece of of art. Um, It's definitely one of the most experimental albums you're gonna hear all year, and it is both hypnotic and powerful, and I think impressively well done um, by her. She still sounds fresh. She still sounds like she's pushing music in an interesting direction. Um, You gotta give it time. It's not gonna, it's not going to vibe with you right away. Um, but if you let it in and just, uh, and just let it kind of overwhelm you, um, it is a powerful experience. So a a play for me.
0: Yeah. So definitely one of the most challenging albums we've reviewed. Um, one of the most challenging albums I've listened to period. Um, it's very dark, it's very heavy, very intense and, and definitely hypnotic. Um, her vocal performance is just so powerful, so intense, um, honestly just kind of terrifying I, I, I felt more than anything that this music was pretty terrifying um, it's a lot to take in um, I think I definitely would need more time with it um, if I had a chance of really kind of fully enjoying it because yeah like as it stands it's just it's just still too difficult for me to listen to like I feel like I'm not ready maybe maybe we can talk again at the end of the year and, and maybe I'll be ready then but for now now it'll be a pause all right that wraps it up for this episode of the play button um thanks again for listening follow us on instagram at play button podcast and follow us on apple music and spotify to uh, grab our playlists which we update after each episode with our recommended tracks thanks for listening and we will see you soon